The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends and earn Unicorns through successful bets or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. This is Walter Ciades Fedchuk bringing you another edition of the Rough Drafts 2017 European Spring Split Guess the Lines episode challenge, whatever we want to call it. It is week seven. We have now had a week full of European games after an eventful IEM Katowice. Eventful, I guess, if you're a Taiwanese fan. Congratulations, Chase. I finally have given you some props for (laughs) your love of Taiwan. And we had some European games, and there were two days of European games because Sunday, uh, Saturday had Orion and Rocket on them, and I just don't count them as professional League of Legends teams anymore because they have not done anything to me to prove that they are LCS teams. And oh wait, they play each other this week. Oh come on, are you really? Are we not going to embrace the? total clown fiestiness that this game is guaranteed to be like just imagine like dignitas and renegades ended up being the meme to end all memes as far as just lcs ineptitude and those teams are way better than these two teams like anything is possible in this game there could be four baron steals from the opposite sides that then involve team wipes so that nothing happens off of them it's in play this, as, is, this is the ultimate stoppable force movable object series. Man. As, as the incessant reverse jinxing of my co-host, Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, drones on and on. That will not be a fun game. But um, let's, you know, there are some fun things. There were some fun players, teams maybe, mm-hmm. uh, in week six. So what was your what was your up for week six before we get to the ultimate down in week seven? <laughs> you know, honestly, it, it seems like it's a weird thing to bring up, but I, I think it's worth repeating. Trick is really good at League of Legends. Like, oh my god, I just love watching this guy pop off. The way that he played uh, in both games against Vitality, especially game two, where he was something, I want to say 7-0 and 5 like, it mm-hmm. was some monster of a score on this on this Nidalee pick that he was just dominant on. Uh, it was 9-0-6. Excuse me. It was even better than I remembered. This guy just has such a beautiful sense of how to counter jungle, how to play the map, how to get every little advantage. And that was something that, you know, this week really stood out because some of the other bits of G2 were sloppy. Perks had some really weird roam decisions, and... The team as a whole dove for towers that they really shouldn't have, which I think says more about their opinion of vitality than anything else. But Trick throughout all of it 
No matter whether it's been Sven and Mithy looking a bit off, or Perks getting out of hand, or Expect maybe not looking as strong on carry top laners as he has on some of the tankier top laners, Trick is game in and game out just a monster. It was This was a 13-1-10 series for Trick. I don't know how you can do better than that. That's about as good as you can do. Uh, and, and he's done it week after week, month after month, now for, you know, two splits last year and now looking to do it a third this time around. I, I get the feeling just by the way that the player of the series standings have come out that they're not going to give it to him. He hasn't won as many of those, at least by what I'm seeing on esports wikis. But... Mm. I, I just never want us to fall into the trap of thinking that a player that is popular for being very good, we should just stop talking about how good he is because we all understand how good he is. We really need to have that extra look and appreciation for what Trick is doing because for now three splits in a row, he has performed at a level that is just unheard of in the European LCS for junglers. And the consistency with which he does it is just something that I can't help from a door. And again, as a Rocket fan... I'm I'm naturally biased towards Yankos, and even I have to just say all hail. I mean, you it's, know, it's been incredible. You know, listen, I, I got no problem with Trick. I think he's absolutely been fantastic. I think he's been showing multiple different ways that he can be uh, the linchpin to G2's success. He's been a heavy farming style jungler, especially when you look at their jungle percentage. G2 is at 57% of jungle farm percentage, which means that out of all the jungle camps that appeared in every single game they've played, they're getting 57% of those creeps it's nuts. which is pretty pretty fantastic when you look at the second closest team is at 54 percent, and then he is also capable of these absolutely breathtaking monster carry kill performances when he is on something like a graves in particular mm-hmm. uh my up for the week is going to be we've really been on misfits kind yeah. of like and i'm going to give it to the linchpin of this it's cacao Cacao has been the linchpin to their success. And I know last week we did talk about Power of Evil a lot. Um, I'm going to bring up Power of Evil in just a couple moments when I talk about my down. Um, but the true linchpin has been Cacao because he was the... Sure, we looked at Power of Evil and we were like, yeah, he's a question mark. But at the end of the day, he did have a very good relegation uh, you know, relegation promotion tournament with Oriad that did show a lot of like, okay, he's still got it. And now he's just been able to flourish on this team. Mm-hmm. But Kakao was in the LSPL. And he was on some of the worst teams in the LSPL. Mm-hmm. And his performances were bad. They weren't Nahum bad, but they were still pretty terrible. And to see after the first couple of weeks and now transition into this and now start to understand it's me and Power of Evil and really focus on Power of Evil's lane and really go into the top lane and get Alfari ahead. Because Alfari can get an advantage on his own just through pure force of will of farming. And Han Sama can do the same thing in pure force of will and farming. But this team and their jungler and their analysts and everyone that's a part of the Misfits organization understands that mid-jungle is the most important piece. And then because everyone's basically playing utility carries, it's top. Those are your two priorities when you're being a jungler. And he is just bouncing between the two of them and into the enemy jungle with reckless abandon basically i don't think there's been any jungler that he's gone against that has really stood up to him except trick yeah well and at this point it's not even reckless abandon it's just it's 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 not reckless when you're doing it so consistently their early game rating right now just to put a number on it a mind-boggling 71.4 
That is unheard of. To put this in perspective, KT Rolster, who is by far the most dominant early game team in Korea, hasn't hit an EGR of 70. Now, obviously, there are a larger sample size over in Korea, so the numbers can't directly compare. But for the sample size that we've seen, and given how Misfits looked at the beginning of the split, because they did not look like a cohesive early game team at the beginning of the split, the strength of their early game has just been overwhelming. It is a, on average, 1,771 gold lead. That's at 15 minutes. That is bonkers. It is obscene. And as long as their early game, you know, continues to be that way, and as you said, Kakao's a huge part of that, uh, this team's going to continue to be really good. I, I think the, the KT comparison is very uh, very astute, and I think the the SKT to Misfits' KT is going to be G2. Yes. I do, I'm not, but it's, they aren't as good as KT or, or SKT. I'm going to be very honest about that. They're not, but you see very similar play patterns in them, especially with, with G2 and SKT being this very going from being a super early game team in the summer to now this year, they're really about the mid to late game. They are losing lanes. Sven and Mithy are losing some bot lanes and getting pressured in. Uh, Expect has been very performing very, very well, but he's mostly going even to just barely winning his lane, and usually it's because Trick is coming there. So I like that. I actually really like that comparison. Uh, but with the good comes the bad. And Chase, before we could hit rock bottom with Rock Hat versus Orion, we do have are downs from week six. So so who or what team uh, was your down? I, I just want to say now, uh, I, I'm i very sorry, Yost, that I have to put you guys in the spot. But are the unicorns, you're in my downs. I'm. This is a problem, guys. They're a disappointing four and eight in individual games since week five. Uh, you know, obviously those losses, Flash Wolves, Misfits, G2 Esports, they're not embarrassing losses, but it's the way that they're losing. When you're getting an inhibitor within the first 15 minutes of the game, twice, and you can't close out those games, that's a problem. And, you know, they the game two took way too long to close. They were nowhere near as efficient as they usually are. Uh, Alfari managed to somehow get 12 kills in that game just because he was farming AoE and these skirmishes, just crazy amounts of damage. But the way that, you know, game three just fell apart across the map, it, it, it proves this thing that's been lurking behind the Unicorns of Love for a while, which is that tempo plays need two things to work. One, you have to be close enough that it's a tempo play for you to fight in the first place. If you're behind enough gold that you're almost guaranteed to lose the fight, losing the fight faster doesn't actually increase tempo the way you want. Uh, and it's hard to do that when you're behind, which they were behind in the early game in all three of these games. Alfari won the laning phase pretty much every time, and that's the second big problem, which is that the Unicorns of Love have gotten these tempo advantages and gotten these tower advantages and the objective trades that they've wanted because Visit Shachi has been the one making plays. And for a long time, that was enough. But teams are starting to realize that. They're sending so many more resources towards his lane, doing, you know, working in pick and ban to get a counter pick to whatever Visit Shachi is trying to do and saying, okay, he has to either try to outplay us, which he is trying to do and has been punished for it repeatedly in the last two weeks. A lot of uncharacteristic overextensions that come from feeling like you have to force a play to force something to happen um, and just being kept down in a way that 
has forced unicorns of love to really have to question, well, where should the resources go? You would think Exile would be that guy, and, and he is to a certain extent, but there are a lot of really great mid laners in Europe, and he hasn't necessarily, you know, he didn't, you know, when you compare him to Power of Evil in that series, I think at best Exile was going even, and that's, and, and, you know, and, that, that's and a problem this, for them if they can't get the and, top lane and, going. And I don't want to just hammer on the unicorns as a whole because I feel like they just have a very... They have a very obvious weakness of they are going to try and make plays at every as you know every moment they can, and when you just back off and don't give them openings to make plays, they aren't very good at just like sieging. They aren't very good at just like okay, well we're going to just take the objectives around the board. Like you can concede you know an early cloud drake to them, and that's not going to punish you. You can concede an early tower against them if that just means like okay, I can just sit back and freeze a wave and get my guys farmed up. I want to focus on Exile because Exile has been the guy that, to me, has stuck out like a sore thumb in this entire thing. Xerxes has been playing out of his mind. Yeah, Xerxes is awesome. Hillisong and, 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 I'm sorry, Chachi has kind of had, like, a middling period here. And Samix and Hillisong, Hillisong's always kind of had these moments where he just gets caught in lane. He's in a bad meta for him. His, his champion yeah. pool is really limited, and it's being yes. punished hard. But... To me, the linchpin, again, the linchpin here is now Exile. He's the guy that's really sticking out on these really bad performances. When they were winning, he had these just these phenomenal games, these excellent games. He was controlling his enemy laner. He was getting solo kills. He was roaming around the map effectively. And in this, in this loss, which you can almost basically just attribute purely to G2, you know, five of, uh, four of the... Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games that they've lost in kind of this run. Four of them have been to G2, two against Flash Wolves, and two against Misfits. And Misfits just played G2 style against them. So six of these losses have been against this like non-playmaking style. And the problem is, is that Exile isn't being a secondary playmaker anymore. He's not trying to make a play. He's not trying to get a solo kill anymore. Now he's falling behind and he's like... You can tell that... The, the inex his sort of inexperience is starting to come back out, and he really reminds me of early summer exile, where he was very much playing within his shell. And it seems like a lot of what Xerxes is trying to do is solo plays. He's no longer working with his mid laner to say, okay, well, let's both go do this. Let's both go here. It's now exile. Uh, Xerxes can kind of read that his mid laner isn't feeling great. So now more pressure is getting put on Xerxes' shoulder of like, okay, I'm going to go make a play. And he's buddying up with with Hillisong, uh, with Chachi in the top lane very well, and that's really where he's kind of focusing, but it, we were you know, I said earlier with Power of Evil and, and uh, Kakao, mid lane jungle synergy is the primary, that's the big piece. Those two guys are really what's going to dictate the game, and when one of them isn't pulling his weight, and, you know, the jungler by himself can't pull the entire weight of the mid laner, it's just not right. possible. Yeah, it, so. they need to figure out how to readjust their gold supply because so much of their plan right now is, well, Vizichachi gets going, which then frees up Exile so we can make more plays in the mid lane so then we can start roaming. Like, there are steps to this that are very definitive and you can see when there are hesitations in what they want to do. It's because the play that they would traditionally make at that time isn't available because either the lanes aren't pushing the way they wanted or because Vizichachi's been kept down or, or whatever it is. And... You know, this comes back to the argument we've always made on this show, which is you need multiple ways to win. Mm -hmm. And if for whatever reason Vizichachi is having a bad game, whether it's just, you know, 
he got ganked super often or, you know, just a weird thing, you know, whatever it is, you have to be able to turn to Exile and say, okay, you're the number one guy this game. Right. And that doesn't seem to be there yet. And I, I don't know whether that's a, uh, a philosophy problem, a, a shot calling problem. I'm not sure what it's going to be. I'm certain that Unicorns of Love are seeing everything we're seeing and they're going to take some steps to fix it. But unfortunately, those were two losses that may come back to haunt them because H2K Gaming is now also in control of their own destiny. And that rematch is going to be both very important and H2K, I think, has gotten better since the last time these two teams played. So certainly something that we're going to have to watch as we see how Group B continues to develop. Well, luckily for us, one unicorn did come through for us. <laughs> and that was our smart money bets on unicorn.com. It we went 2-0 last week in Europe. And uh, <laughs> we, we made $260, uh, 260 unicorns by choosing a three-map series for the Unicorns of Love and Misfits that was at minus 105, and taking the H2K 2-0 at plus 165 that I was scared was not going to happen because I was just like, uh, reality doesn't like me. And then it <laughs> happened, and it was like a really quick series, and I was like... <sighs> Yankos didn't let me down. Thank you so much. So right now in Europe, uh, we are still in the red, but yes. it's only 45. It's only 45 bucks. Like that, Exactly. For, for, for the six weeks from hell that we basically had in Europe, the fact that we're only down $45, That's I can a win. That. Yeah, we take those. We take those straight up. And what is definitely not a win, what I think is the absolute rock bottom of the EU LCS calendar. And to be fair, the, you know, the saying, you got to hit rock bottom before you can, you know, climb your way back up. So maybe this is the catalyst that Europe needs to actually have something interesting happen. Um, Rocket versus Orhien. Chase, yeah. you're, you're the Rocket fan, so here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to convince me why Rocket wins this series. Just take a minute. And just convince me why Rocket wins this series. Go ahead. Okay. So what we have here are two teams that are clearly bad teams. I, I, I don't think there's any dispute on that at this point. Uh, I, I describe in my power rankings for uh, uh, LCS Predicts this week, I say that saying Rocket is a bad team is like saying the Falcons didn't play well in the second half of the Super Bowl. It's one hell of an understatement and fans are going to feel bad about having to correct you the whole time. I I mean, the, the tower dive in game two of their series this week uh, against the Unicorns of Love was one of the worst plays that I have seen in a long time. And that last play that was the worst thing I'd seen was the last time Rocket attempted a three-man tower dive. I, I just don't... I, I don't know what they've learned over the course of the split so far. But if you had to give a reason... Let's remember that Synchroth, a Spanish League jungler who was suspended from the Spanish League from playing because of this whole origin contract dispute, has decided he would rather not play League of Legends at all than have his name attached to this origin roster. I just want to remind people of that. That is a real thing that is currently happening that we're all just pretending doesn't exist. I, I you know, Nayhune is an incredible 0-31 um, and yet still the best player on his team. Uh, Ex-Peke, 
playing in his third position at the professional level, zero support experience previously, and he was still a substantial upgrade over Heva? Like, this is... Like, Rocket are a bad team. Origin are a historically bad team. And that's the difference here. Is that while one team is going to run their head into a door over and over again, the other team is not even sure where the door is and probably got lost in some other room entirely just trying to get to it. That's that's my argument. It's not a convincing one. I, I think when you look at the laning stats, you see that Origin actually keeps up in the early game far better than Rocket does. Rocket tries to force plays that oftentimes completely collapse in on themselves. So there's a good chance that Origin will have a lead in the early game. But the good news about that is that Origin have no idea what to do when they're even or have a lead. So Rocket can then do whatever they're going to do. It's going to be a game. Teams will play. A Nexus will fall so, at least twice. So here's why you're wrong. Okay. And why Orion is going to win. I mean, and, to be fair, I gave a lot of reasons why Rocket's going to lose. But please, let's why. And, is, and, and to be fair, uh, well, you're the Rocket fan, so you're trying to reverse jinx yourself. But I told you, tell me why Rocket wins, and you decided to be. I'm going to tell you why they lose. So I'm going to tell you why Origin wins. Okay. Uh, and it, it has nothing to do with the fact that Cyanide broke my heart because I thought he was going to come back and play. Uh, but it turns out he's not going to play, or maybe he is, or I don't know. He is a jerk on Twitter and won't tell us, but it doesn't <laughs> look like he is if you look at LOL Esports. Mm-hmm. And they play tomorrow. So I know LOL Esports sometimes is not on top of things with their website, but I would assume if Side Eye was going to play, he probably would be in the starting lineup on their website. Uh, that being said, when teams are looking to break losing streaks, more often than not, they do it against the second worst team or the other worst team in the league. So if Origin is going to break their losing streak and is going to break Nehu's losing streak, it'll more than likely be against Rocket. But the true catalyst to this is that the last time that a roguish face of his franchise mid laner went from the mid position into a more supportive position was a gentleman by the name of Hai Hai Dula. And he went from mid lane Are we doing into this? jungle are we doing and into this? support. And we are now going to create the legendary narrative of X Peke, the fantastic <laughs> European sh- I can't I can't. I, well, I tried. My entire crux of this argument was that Cyanide might be playing, and I just hadn't checked until I was like, oh crap, I have to tell you why Origin wins, and it was gonna be <laughs> Cyanide plays and for some theory of magic he's like excellent and it's gonna be like his swan song and he's gonna keep origin from uh going undefeated um this is a bad series between it's, two really bad teams um it's gonna go but, to three games for the record there this is going to be a prolonged punishment for all of the uh all of the times that riot forced them to play on saturday when they knew the viewership was going to be down <laughs> like this is their revenge like you're gonna get all of this you're going to get three, four full hours. We're going to have four, like three 40 minute games, like go all to the late game. Let's have another 80 minute, like complexity style slugfest. Let's go. Can we just have like a three hour game? Just one three hour game instead. Please. I mean, it's Can we not... break that Dota record where it was like a three hour plus game? And just like didn't matter. Some qualifier. And it's it, like, oh, okay. It's not not in play. I mean, honestly, there is any 
you could give me any explanation of how this series is going to go, and I'd have to believe you because neither team has come close to anything resembling a winning a win condition in so long. And and for the record, I you know we're giving a lot of crap to these two teams, but it's worth pointing this out, Walter. Without looking it up, what do you think is the combined record of the bottom four teams since uh, over the past three weeks? Bottom four. The bottom four teams. So Vitality, Giants, Rockad, and Origin. What is their combined record over those four weeks? Um, or three weeks, I should say. Three weeks. Three weeks. This is just in group play, right? This is this is the just the it, last three weeks of play. What is their combined record? Two wins. One win. They are one in twenty-four. So yeah, whatever you tell me, they're, they're going to win. Like we have no proof that either of those teams has any idea how to reach a win condition. So we talked for way longer than I wanted to about Origin. Where do you think the line is? <laughs> Rock at minus 160. I don't know why you're not more hyped for what will be the greatest disaster of, of the week. But I said Rock at minus 160. Because I actually enjoy League of Legends. <laughs> I'll ask you if you still feel that way after Thursday. What's I the line? enjoy League of Legends. Um, I said minus 145. It is an inexplicable Rock at minus 208. Oh, great. I love it inexplicable this literally should have just been even because i don't want anyone to gamble on it well, because now there's some sneaky underdog like value to orient well first of all what is the origin line just origin is at plus 155 okay and the thing i will point out is that all memes aside if you just look at how close the losses have been, which is the, you know, the way that LCS Predict manages the formula, it's all about margin of victory and therefore margin of defeat, Rocket is considerably better than Origin. Uh, they, they have been considerably better on a, as far as remaining in games. Rocket has had quite a few games that have gone to the late game before they've thrown it away. Um, they've had some of those kind of closer bouts. Origin has not been close to anybody in a long time. That's the difference. The the degree of losses has been insane. But uh, let let's move on to, to be, a higher to quality fair, game. Though, Walter. To be fair, to be fair, if we're interested in three maps like Chase brought up, it's plus one hundred five. Oh man, I I hope that there's enough value elsewhere that we don't have to place money on the on the Rocket Origin game. Oh let, my let, friend, don't don't. <laughs> Don't mess with the gods. We're moving on to the next game. Another Snoresville on my day off from work. Giants versus Vitality. See, this is again, you you are like, man, can we get this over with? I'm hyped to talk about this. These are two teams that are both bad, but in different ways. And their matchup will genuinely matter as far as how they're going to hold off these groups. You know, Giants, this is arguably a must win for them because Giants is getting considerably worse by every metric possible every week, while Rocket is at least holding even. So they really don't want to give Rocket any excuse to be tied with them. Uh, that's going to be something that will be interesting to watch. Right now, their hope for doing that is going to fall onto Memento, who has been playing out of his mind. I, I got to give him credit where credit is due. He is single-handedly trying to will Giants into relevance. It just so happens that none of the side laners want to help him in any and, way, and shape, it, or form. And it only happens when a Baron is on the field and oh. could potentially be taken. I wouldn't say that his early game or anything has been anything special. His I, special moments have purely been, the enemy team is going for Baron. Screw it! Let's go! Let me try and contest this. And magically, he contests it and gets it. Like... 
I mean, game one against Splice, he had a pretty solid performance through and through. I mean, that was a 5-3-0 game when he had absolutely no help from anyone on his team. Like, he, he has had But it's against games. Trashy. Like, well, sure. I, I mean, a matchup against Trashy actually mean anything? Look, you have to you have to grab onto something when you're talking about teams that are this low in the standings. I, I mean, the bigger problem is while Knight had a whole one throwback game on his Talon uh, in in game two against the Unicorns of Love, uh, the rest of his play has been incredibly mediocre at best. Uh, he Q and Flaxish are really terrible. Um, uh, he Q has the worst experience, uh, experience differential and CS differential at 10 minutes of any AD carry in the league. It is a minus 10.8 CS differential on average at 10 minutes. That is astronomically bad. That is worse than toaster bad. That's a huge problem for giants, especially when the side lanes are becoming so much more relevant in the split pushing meta. And that is where vitality are going to try to attack them. You know, we have, you know, Steelback is a guy who theoretically is an AD carry. Yesterday he was doing, uh, or I should say last week, he was doing his best impression of like Altec season five spring gravity. You know, the Altec that threw out like two skill shots and then ran away. Like that's where we kind of are a, with Steelback Wait a second. Right now. Have you finally hopped? Is that someone? Did you? Have you reset? That, that was old sc- old school Altec. I'm now modern Altec. I'm enjoying, but old, like right now. But you loved Altec. You loved Altec. I did. I loved who he was. The split prior, and then it took a while for me to understand that just because his KDA was good doesn't mean he was doing good things. And, and he, all you have to do is watch Steelback and see in teamfights how he hangs out in the back, throws out like two Qs and an E, and then immediately gets out. Like he's done. The, we're going to lose the team fight anyway. He, it's just, it, it's cowardly. It feels like what you do when you know that you're going to be a free agent very soon because why in the world would you want to stay on this roster? And you just want to make sure your numbers look as good as they well, can when you, know, you make your sales pitch. Don't sign. Don't marry the very first person that comes to you and says, hi, my name is. Don't don't put a ring on it. Like, take some time. Get to know him. Play the field. Like, yeah. On. You don't marry the first girl that you interact with in kindergarten, which is exactly what he did in this offseason. The and, very first contract that came, he's like, okay. And the offseason before that, and probably arguably the offseason before that. This is unfortunately a problem for him. And the other problem Vitality has is that Joko is really not good at League of Legends. Um, I appreciate the enthusiasm. He's trying to make plays. And I think if you look at why Vitality looked better last week than they did, you know, back in week five or even prior to that is they were at least trying to make plays. You know, I, I gave Irene a lot of crap on last week's episode. I will say that you could tell that he had some influence on the game in that this time around, Vitality said, let's do something, which is better than let's not do anything. Now, I would like to say, let's do a particular something or let's do something because of X, Y, and Z, but at least we're at the point where they're actively trying to do something. And so what I'm really trying to say is that this is also not going to be a very good game of League of Legends, but it's really going to come down to which one of these teams has that little extra in the tank that they can bank on. I think right now Vitality is better suited for it. It really feels like Giants are throwing things away. But if you do believe that jungle mid-synergy is what this is going to rely upon, well, Giants have that. They don't have anything else, but in the games in which they've looked decent, that's been their thing. So it's certainly going to be interesting. I have it at Vitality minus 145. 
Uh, again, we talked way longer about a series that I just don't <laughs> care about. I have Vitality minus 175. Uh, it's Vi- Vitality minus 142. Yep. Again, inexplicably right. way closer than I expected it to be because I don't think Giants are, are very, very good. But I guess when it's the fourth place team in Group A versus the fourth place team in Group B, um, I guess uh, you have Giants at plus 110. Okay. Uh, for this to go three maps, it's minus 105. Okay. And for this to be a 2-0 in Vitality's favor, no. it's at plus 210. Stop it. Stop it. There, that is a team that drafts so poorly that I, I just don't want to... Like, I, like there's going to be Same. some terrible move in Same. Game 2 that's going to make Absolutely. me regret that draft. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, saying. I mean, if you're asking why those lines are so close, well, Vitality is 4-12 and 12 in individual games and Giants is 4-13. and 13. They're the same team. It's just Giants are worse according to the stats. I do think there's value there on, uh, on Vitality winning the series, though, straight up. That is... Uh, that is a, a series that they should win more often uh, if you believe in the stats over at LCS Predict. But uh, but yeah, that's going to be enough about those teams for probably three more episodes. So I hope you enjoyed it. This was the <laughs> giving love to the bad teams episode. We're probably not doing this again. Oh, it's okay. We get to talk about all three of them one more time on this episode. <laughs> G2 versus Splite. Can I just be honest? Like this week, I looked at like everything, and there's not there's like only one matchup that I'm like, oh yeah, this will be an interesting matchup. Like I'm excited to watch this matchup. Um, but we're gonna talk about G2 versus Splice and Chase. I know, I know we mentioned trash earlier. I know you're a little bit higher on Splice than me this week. Yes. Um, why? Like we, we can talk about G2, <laughs> but like we've already. We've already kind of beat G2 into the ground, so, so yeah. why should I not tread on Splice? Uh, it's not that you shouldn't tread on Splice. Splice. Splice has been tread on quite a bit, but the numbers indicate that Splice has turned from a below-average team to an above-average team and a significantly above-average team. They went from, at one point, their score was like a, a negative score uh, to now they're a solid 2.25, which is to say that they have really distinguished themselves from Fnatic and below. They are... The quintessential good bad team, if you will, and the reason for that is, you know, as I, you know, it's it's very much the side wave pressure. You look at Wonder and the just dominance that he has in that lane. His Nar game, he went absolutely bonkers. You can really tell that he feels way more comfortable on these carry top laners, and now Wonder is able to kind of wreak havoc on things. That does help out quite a bit, and the damage that he wreaked on Giants, I think is very indicative of that. I also think that Kabi has been doing quite well. The bot lane in general, Mickey is the playmaker that they work through. And Kabi, while his champion pool isn't ideal for this meta, I think it's pretty rough that they had to fall back onto Ziggs uh, in their game one against Giants. He does play very a very strong lane. He knows how to clean up in team fights. He's got a very good handle on any sort of AOE ability, as he demonstrated with his uh, great zoning use on the Ziggs. I-, I think the side lanes are in a very good spot. Now, the problem is the mid-jungle synergy, and that is a big problem, depending on who you ask. I, you know, there are people who will tell you, well, as long as you have the side lanes, you can play like a split-pushing comp, just get your Sivir, get a hard carry top laner, like a, you know, a... Renekton right now and just call it a day and that's that'll work against certain teams but against G2 I think that's basically asking for disaster I think that Perks is going to to come after uh Senkux early and often and I do not feel comfortable enough in Senkux's champion pool in this meta 
Uh, the echo was a weird thing to see from him, and it went relatively well, but I'm not sure that it was the a good piece for their win condition. I think there were other champions that could have fulfilled that role and done it better. Um, but that's obviously up for debate to a certain extent. I genuinely, you know, if, if Trashy had any champion that I felt comfortable uh, with him playing in this meta, I would be willing to say, oh, Splice can take this to three games. It could be a, a more interesting series than people think, but they're just not built for this meta. This is a team that was very much designed for where the game was at the summer of season six. And, you know, that's the thing that I'm sure Marty has got to be looking at right now is, you know, are the pieces broken or is the, you know, what can we do to make our pieces fit this meta? And if they can't, then what do we do about but it? It's, it's fine because the only split that matters is summer split and all the tanks are being reworked and they'll be super, super strong. And oh, Trashy will just have his jungle tank champion pool back. It really does like, feel like it's playing in Splice's it, favor. It in that it, that, that's the only reason. But it, he, he is, if I look at any player in Europe, he is the one the most out of meta. Yes. And I, and it's well, kind he of. He and Hillisang, I put them neck and neck. Hillisong is good too because he's he's a melee tank player as opposed to like a ranged supporty. But he can always kind of go on to like Thresh. Like Thresh yes. is decent now. It's just we're not seeing him play a lot of it. Yeah. Um, I, I but I think that that listen like he's had a couple of good games where like okay like yeah oh yeah he can play Kha'Zix but he doesn't have the same level of impact on the map that a Xerxes, that a Yonkos, that a Trick, that a Kakao does, or that even Summer Split Trashy had. And that's just because I don't think these champions fit with him. I think he is a primary engager. Mm -hmm. I would love him just to play Zach. I think Zach could be fine in the meta. Just go play Zach. Yeah. I think that I think you would do fine. Yeah, you have to be a little bit safer, and you really have to ward your entrances so you don't get caught in the jungle by a Graves or by a Lee Sin. But I think that you guys can play smart enough, and Wonder can pull enough pressure that to pull the jungler top, so you would have some time to farm and, and get kind of tanky. Um, I think. The pieces, I think the trashy piece is broken for this meta. Yes. And even Kabe is, is like, right on the edge of, like you said, like, he had to play Ziggs. He could have played Caitlyn. That's really something he could have played, I think, into the Ash, but... His Jin is solid. His Varus was was quite nice. I mean, his, it's funnily enough, he does have a positive CS differential at 10 yeah. minutes. He's laning a lot better than you think, and he's doing yes. so consistently. Though this is a, a team where you can see they might not be feeding the resources into the right places as the game goes on, which is another thing they're going to have to look at. Um, I have the line at minus 400 for G2. I think this would be pretty solid. I agreed with you, and I also had the line at minus 400, so so I am going to pick up a point here. Uh, it's G2 minus 526. Okay, that's that's fair. Totally fair. Splice is at plus 350. No, thank you. No. No, I don't think. Uh, what's the get, line to get to three games? Uh, um, no. No? Thank you. Okay. No, thank you. That's fine. No. That's I, fine. I just, uh, it plus 145. Oh, that's not nearly enough. Never mind. Yeah. No. no. Like, I, G2's too good. Yeah, no, like, sure, maybe good. it goes to three games, but like, I wouldn't feel comfortable being like, I'm going to put money on this going to three games. Well, I mean, we're going to have to find something, but let's, uh, let's keep going. Let's see if we can find value in the other game that's going on. Fnatic versus Unicorns of Love. Yes. Um, you said that Splice is the bad, the good, bad team. I think Unicorns of Love are the bad, good team. I, I think that 
there's a, there's always this point where unicorns love going to this lull where they just don't seem to be playing well. It's usually at the beginning of the split, and then they have this run towards the end where all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, they made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think it just flip flopped. I think they had a really good start of the split, and now they're kind of lost and they're trying to figure things out. I think they will, and I think playing against Fnatic will help because they also have a young jungle mid lane pair. But what would what do you want to see out of the unicorns of love this week? Well, I mean, if you can't take advantage of Fnatic in their current state of disarray right now, then you don't deserve to call yourself a good team. So I expect this should be a 2-0 for Unicorns of Love and they should take care of business. The idea that Fnatic is an average team because they are right now in a playoff spot in Group A uh, is something that we really need to re-examine. They are 10-11 and 11, uh, overall, so below 50% win percentage. Uh, they have no victories against any of the teams that... Uh, you would consider to be valuable. Um, they haven't uh, been... Uh, they obviously lost to Splice uh, two weeks ago, and they lost to everyone else above them in the table. Unicorns yeah. of Love being the only team above them that they haven't played yet. Uh, Broxa looks like a mess. I have no idea what they're doing with him, and they should have spent all of their break during IEM Katowice time to figure out how to involve that synergy and that's what nico said he was going to do on twitter and then we found out from reckless's vlog that no they actually took a vacation and then they looked like the the garbage that they looked like last week to the extent that yankos said that maybe we should question whether nico the pico deserves to get fed for some of those guys which to be fair a little bit too I far love polish humor yeah, yeah. i love polish humor I that's mean, all that was that was polish humor they're the the h2k would be the ultimate heels of the eu lcs if it wasn't for the fact that their social media team is just too gosh darn likable it's a really great social media group for the record but i mean look this is a, a game that you have to win uh xerxes needs to be able to punish the really inefficient jungle pathing that Broxa currently has. Uh, if Vizichachi can't beat up on Soaz, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you need to have Hillisang be able to make plays against a bot lane right now that is being abandoned and neglected, and if we've learned nothing else, it's that Nico the Pico apparently does not care to put Caps in a comfortable situation whatsoever because they twice picked him into... They picked his chase into the... Uh, Syndra, which was by far the winningest champion of last week across uh, across the 7.4 patch in competitive play, I genuinely cannot wrap my mind around what Fnatic are up to right now. And if nothing else, Unicorns of Love should be able to look at that and say, look, we need to learn pattern recognition. We need to learn how to to force plays and, and, and make plays that are going to be advantageous to us that are really going to you know, put us in a position to succeed. Well, this is gonna, they're going to give you a whole bunch of opportunities to succeed. And it's up to Unicorns of Love to take them and run with it. Listen, Reckless is going to look really good in the TSM jersey next split. Oh, how dare you? How dare you? I was going to say. I mean, we're talking about Double Lift is going to come back and try out like... Wouldn't that be intoxicating for Reckless? Like, go join TSM, go to Los Angeles, play with Bjergsen and Sven Skarin. Like, could, couldn't that be enticing? I mean, could that be really enticing for him? If I'm Reckless, I make that move in about 0.25 seconds. The what, problem what is team, that I'm what sure team, there's what a buyout involved. What Reckless want to play with? Like, what? legitimately, what's it? Like, if I'm Reckless, I'm like, I want to leave Fnatic for summer. Where do I go? I mean, I would go to the Unicorns of Love if, no matter what player I was, because I think that org is... is but, they, but, they would find a way to use Reckless but, and, and really and, and, just start popping but, off. No offense uh, to Unicorns of Love, like, 
he is a a superstar. And oh. I, I love Yost. I love you. To to love. It, oh, the spice. It, I love it. I'm not trying to offend him. That doesn't, like, I can't imagine Reckless in a Unicorns of Love jersey. Like, that That'd would be, be the coup of the century for him to be in a Unicorns of Love jersey. That would be, that would be mind-boggling to me. Yeah. That Reckless would then choose to go there. And I think that would make Unicorns of Love instantly, you know, top two contender, like they could contend with G2 no problem without but, even seeing them play a game. I, I yeah. just can't see that happening. Right, like, and, but, but you just asked, like, what team would you want to play for? I can't come up with another one. I don't think any other team is, you know, so easily able to pick up and add in a new AD carry. You know, H2K Gaming you can make a case for, but I think Nuclear and Che are, A, doing really well, so why would you mess with that? And B, the Korean synergy there is important. You wouldn't touch Han Sama, so you wouldn't touch Misfits. Like that's, I can't believe I didn't even think about Reckless during our trade column, which you guys should pause and go back and watch that for Monday because it was really, really good. And we yeah. had some really, really cool trades. I'm serious. Yeah, we really should have... Uh, yeah, I think it says a lot about how yeah, poorly Fnatic's using him that he's having such a great year and we didn't even <sighs> think to bring him up. It's it's a problem. I don't understand why the idea is let's have our rookie mid laner who has consistency issues be our only win condition and put him in a disadvantageous matchup and then act confused when it doesn't work out. Because he's baby faker. Uh, I have the line at Unicorns of Love minus 200. I, I, get, I, I had, get mad about a fanatic. I, I had the line Unicorns of Love minus 180. Thought they were going to be punished a little bit for IEM and losses to G2 and Misfits. Uh, nope, it's Unicorns of Love minus 250. Okay. Um, so that's so fanatic plus what? That's fanatic plus 185. I wouldn't touch that, but it does leave a tasty plus 130, 2 for Unicorns of Love. Okay. That's, I kind of like that. I like that a lot because I yeah. think that Fnatic is incredibly fraudulent right now. Like um, it. I, I will also say, I believe this means I'm only one point away from winning the week. Um, I would want to call you a liar and a scoundrel, but you are correct. Yeah. Okay. And, let's uh, let's keep it going. Yeah. Then. Yeah. So, um, Rocket versus Vitality. I don't want to talk about either of these teams <laughs> no. again. We, we spent enough time. I had the line at Vitality minus one ninety. I said Vitality minus 200. It's Vitality minus 164. That's, so, yep. yeah, there's Yay! There's there's your victory. Congratulations. I, I don't feel bad losing this week because it's I, I'm at the point where I almost can't care about Europe again. Yeah, well, I get to these points in seasons where I just like look at Europe and I'm just like, ah. I mean, the complete ugh. lack of upsets is a problem, I think, for fans. I, I think it's something that is great as an analyst because it means that I don't have to waste my time watching, you know, oh, look, here was a team that should have won but ended up being sloppy and now I have to decipher, you know, how good they actually are. Like, these games are very straightforward. I think the lessons we're learning are overall, you know, have been emphasized and reinforced over and over again with, yes. you know, as we've seen more games. I, I think the, you know, unfortunately, the lack of upsets is not particularly entertaining as a fan and I think that the the degree of terribleness that exists between the top six teams and the bottom four teams. I mean, just the, the gap is massive. Again, one in 24 in three weeks. These are bad teams. I think the gap between five and six is almost as wide, though, as the I, yeah. gap between six and six. Like, You're the gap not wrong. between five and four is almost as wide as the gap between six and seven. Like... Let's let's be very honest, which when, you know, six of your teams are can't really hold a candle to the top four and amongst themselves, it's just very bad play. 
I, it doesn't make for anything that's memorable. I like out of the first six weeks, what's been the most memorable moment that you can like remember? What was the most memorable game? I mean, I've, there are a lot of greats. I mean, I thought the uh, the H two K Unicorns of Love series was a classic. I thought that. Uh, G2 has had a, quite a few fun performances. I, I don't think that's that's particularly fair. I think there have been some very fun games. I think that the problem is that you have to go through a lot of crappy games to get there. Like, one-third at most of any week's games are interesting if you only care about watching good teams. And that's a problem. That is let's get to the interesting good. game. Uh, okay. Uh, that's I, I didn't get Rockets underdog line. Oh, oh uh, plus 125. Why would you care? I just I a I like to have them and b I think that that's closer than people might think. The numbers don't have Rocket nearly as bad as they are when you look purely at their uh, at, at what they've done record wise. Though I also think that Vitality has looked a step above Giants, Rocket, and Origin over the last couple of weeks. So I yeah, I'm no, not touching it, no, but it's no, it's an interesting line. Yeah, let's talk about a good game. Misfits versus H2K game of the week. Straight up, yes. this is going to be a fantastic game. Oh, yeah. I'm really interested in this game. Um, yeah, Misfits on the up and up. H2K kind of, I feel like, in this like holding pattern, in this like very solid game. Yeah, we see a couple weaknesses, but it's pretty much all been the Yonko show. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Fabivan has done anything memorable. I don't, like... I, I think Fabivan's the worst player on this team. Which is great for them because the meta just moved exactly in Fabivan's fa- uh, favor. You look yeah, at the, the Syndra and Oriana. Yeah. Oh boy, Fabivan just getting that mouth watering. This is exactly the situation H2K wanted to be into. We've at, we're at this point where Nuclear and Che have really established synergy, not just with themselves, but with the rest of the team. Now Fabivan's getting online with his champion pool. Oduwamne looked incredibly impressive this past week. Obviously, he was going up against Soaz, but, I mean, his Nautilus was dominant. Um, and that and that's going to be relevant moving forward if, if he can continue to be that guy. The, the problem with H2K, and this is always the problem with H2K, is that that cockiness that we hear when, you know, Yanko says, oh, should the Vitality coach have gotten fed for that game? And when... Fabivan just randomly fires shots at Forgiven, saying, like, I would never play if Forgiven came back to H2K, which I don't know why that came up or was necessary to do in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, that kind of swagger does translate onto the Rift. And when it affects your on-the-Rift performance, that's when it starts to get concerning. Because a team like Misfits is just too smart and too efficient to let you be able to, to make those kind of mistakes. Uh, H2K, if they play a clean game, can very much win the series and put themselves in the driver's seat to win Group B. I think the talent is almost certainly there. Yankos is a monster, and you know they've really perfected how he, they want to route him depending on these different compositions. It, it feels like they're throwing enough different looks at people that you can't just go, okay, well, let's attack Yankos because this is the one thing he does every game. He doesn't have one thing that he does every game. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to adjust to how he plays each of these different champions, and he does a, a better job than most, I think, of, of mixing that around. I, absolutely. And I think that that just means that as long as H2K keep focused, you know, don't make, you know, don't make silly mistakes, don't overextend on a tower dive because mm-hmm. you think you can get the kill that's going to get you the first blood and get a hot flashy highlight reel. You cannot afford to make those mistakes against a team that is so crisp in the early game because Power of Evil 
is incredibly strong in this meta. If the meta shifted in Forbidden's favor, it shifted in Power of Evil's favor too. Syndra was like the first champion that we used to associate with Power of Evil. This is a very nice sign for him and this current meta. Uh, I think that you know, we talked about Kakao earlier. Alfari, I still have concerns about him in team fighting, but the lane dominance when he's on a carry is staggering. Just the CS leads that he was able to build consistently against Visichachi of all people, and then against uh, you know Satorius, who just never stood a chance. I, I think that that's incredibly important. You know, if if they can keep Oduamne down and they can keep Fabivan kind of trapped in his lane, and even or worse. Then you're putting yourself in a situation where Ignar's playmaking capabilities can really turn the game on its head, and that's going to really be the trigger. If, if H2K doesn't provide that opening, I think they have the better 5-on-5 teamfighting group. I think that their shot selection's a little bit better. I think that their, uh, their play around objectives, once they get to the objectives and finally make a decision, you know, what they want to do, I, I think they're doing better at that. There's a... There's just a massive problem in that they do not make those smart plays consistently. They do have a tendency to overextend or not get the vision they need so they can make a play that should be a very obvious one on the map. There are a lot of those mistakes that could really come back to haunt them here. And so it's going to come down to, you know, who can play the cleaner game. I can't wait. I think that both of these teams have strengths that match up against each other very well. I think it should be a three-game series. I think it'll be very close. So... I have a couple points I want to make. The Please. first point, Chase. Where where do you think Yakos ranks in first blood percentage? Uh, he's not as high as you would think. I know at one point Joko was leading. The uh, first Joko still is leading. Okay, that's... To be very honest, Joko is leading at 36%. I want to say Yakos is around 38%. Yakos is 8th. 8th, wow. At 26%. Wow. 38% would put him at 5th, which would put him... Uh, in between mem- uh, Memento and Amazing. Yeah. Kakao is second with 53%. Yeah. And I want to make... I, so that's a very uh, a very solid point, I think, is that there is this very strong uh, control. Misfits is also three... Uh, is only nine-tenths of a percentage point ahead of H2K in terms of jungle farming percentage. Yeah. That stat I brought up earlier with G2. Uh, so I think that kind of like will say, oh, they both like to farm, but they also really like to gank. They, the and they both like the early game, but they both they're really both, like the early yeah, game. There's the two highest early game ratings, and it's not particularly close. And their gold differential at 15 are both the two highest. The only two that are above 1,000. And yep. H2K is at 1,300, and you brought up Misfits being up at 1,700 earlier. The difference here is that Misfits has proven that they can play a super, super safe early game. And that they have that option of, we're not going to let you do anything. We're going to just make this. We're just going to farm and farm, and we're going to duck and dodge and dip, and we're going to wear you out. This feels like one of those boxing matches when it's like uh, Floyd Mayweather. They feel like Floyd Mayweather, where they do have this moment where they're like, all right, Manny Pacquiao is Yonkos. Hard hitting, fast, a lot of hard strikes early on, good punches, trying to get you with that left hook. That's That moment is when he gets Fabivan or Nuclear or uh, Oduwamne ahead, and now then he can keep going with those combinations. And he's just, Misfits is going to Floyd Mayweather him. They're going to duke and duck and jive and dance around and just be like, nope, you ain't going to hit me. And then when the game is really going to matter, and I think all three of these games are really going to matter in that mid to late game, 
Mm-hmm. You have to pick the team that is shown they are the better mid to late game decision making team, and it's misfits. Yeah. So but, with all that, yeah, it's, it's going to be very close. It's with very, all very that close. being said, where do you think the line is, Chase? I had it as H two K minus one thirty. I think the name recognition gives them a slight edge. I had it as H two K minus one thirty five. Same thought process with you. It's misfits minus one thirty seven. Okay. That's where it probably should be if you just look at the numbers. Misfits right now are performing at a slightly higher clip in recent play. Uh, their numbers, if you look at the straight formula on LCS Predict, are lower than you would expect, but a lot of that has to do with a week one and two that were kind of average at best. They were a new team. They needed time to, to, uh, to kind of scale up, and they're certainly there now. And I'm glad to see that the Unicorn's giving them credit for that. What's the uh, H2K underdog line then? Uh, H2K underdog line is plus 105. Okay. Not, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, other, other lines, three maps is at, uh, minus 105 and, uh, a Misfits 2-0 is at plus 210. Okay. I don't think it happens, but I think that's interesting. I I think it's interesting. I think it's much more likely that H2K wins than Misfits wins 2-0. I think that H2K wins this series... 50% 50% of the time. I think it really is a, a coin flip in a lot of ways, and I'm very interested to see how these two styles meet against each other. And our final game of the week, which is inexplicably on Sunday. One game on Sunday to replace the fact that there's no Challenger Series this week for Europe. Um, and again, on this episode of Walter Hates the European Broadcast Scheduling and thinks the person who did it should be fired, or worse, banished to the wilds of Siberia... <laughs> Uh, one game on Sunday, one best of three, and it's Giants versus goddamn Orion. Yep. Chase, where's the line on this? Look, uh, they put this on Sunday because they're hoping you're going to forget about it because by Monday everyone else will have as well. Should have been Rocket Orion on this game. Oh, oh. Should have been Rocket Orion. Oh. Just nobody tunes in. It would have like 3,000 viewers. I'm telling you right now. Chase's different devices. Rocket Origin is going to have a much higher view number than it has any right to have because people are going to be watching assuming it's going to be a another Dignitas versus Renegade style clown fiesta. Because when, when people think bad, they think of chaos, they, <laughs> or chaos. I said uh, chaos. If they think of chaos, chaos, they don't think of playoffs. Uh, chaos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, don't, they don't think about just two teams that have no idea what to do and stall out for 45 and 50 minutes and it's really boring. So it's going to be interesting to see what the numbers actually are. I had Giants minus 200. I had Giants minus 175. It's Giants minus 212. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a line. And what's origin there? Uh, plus 160. Okay. We got to come up with some value, Walter. Uh, I think the G220 at plus 130. Uh, yeah, that plus 130, absolutely a G220. Plus 130 G220 over Splice. I think that's pretty, pretty nice. Um, and then we think that both Misfits and H2K and Rocket versus Origin go to three maps. One of those has positive odds. One of those has negative odds. Yeah, that's... Take, take, I don't want to bet on Rocket versus Origin, but I guess we take that and... I take, mean, that, that is that? betting that, uh, that Origin wins a map. Do we feel safer about Origin? Like, do we think Origin wins a map all year? 
it's really in play that they don't. I mean, maybe if they had a friend of theirs who could loan them a player that wasn't otherwise playing at the last second. Okay, you said we were them. not going to talk about I, this. You know here. what? It's, I, it's I caved at the last second. Not, we're not talking about it. I actually <laughs> think it's safer to go H2K Misfits. That, that's minus 105 for three maps. That's absolutely great. That's a, that's a more fun thing to root for. Uh, but if well. you want to take the Orient Challenge... It don't. Don't take the Origin Challenge. Get, bet, if, if you really want to take a risk, bet H2K plus 105. I think that series is incredibly close, and as much as I like what Misfits have done recently, uh, I think that Unicorns of Love sliding a bit is going to make Misfits look a little bit better than maybe they are. I think there's value on that. But on LCS Predict, you say H2K has a 54% chance of winning. That's true. Though, when you guys see my power rankings, you'll see that I give Misfits a, a bump. I do have them as favorites. I just think that it's very close. I think H2K has been incredibly strong compared to what people's initial reaction of them are. But that's why they play the games, Walter. We'll have to watch for ourselves. And that's I know you'll be play... loving it every moment. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> and that's why we play the Guest Alliance Challenge. Last couple of weeks, I've been chipping a point away here or there, and now Chase is up three going into North America tomorrow. <sighs> God, my day just couldn't get any worse. Oh, man. Uh, I'm having a great time. But if you want to attempt to cheer us up or you want to rub the salt in the wounds, you can find us on social media. I am at C80s underscore LOL. Chase, where can the good folks at home find you? You can find me at RedShirtKing. And, of course, you can find my power rankings. Uh, EU should be up sometime uh, on the day you're listening to this, uh, probably in the mid-afternoon to evening angle of things. Uh, and then Thursday will be my North American power rankings around the same time. LCS Predict, that's where you can see all of the advanced metrics that we're, we're mentioning here. And of course, Oracle's Elixir for things like the EGR. Gotta give them a shout-out. And while we're giving shout-outs to, to great websites, eSports Wikis, because they make life a lot easier. All of you guys, uh, we appreciate you, uh, and uh, you're absolutely worth a shout-out. And thank you guys so much for listening. Let us know in the comments what you think. Are you as excited for the week of terrible teams as I am? Or are you like Walter and just wish we could skip this week and pretend that we're already in week eight? So let us know. I've got some gray goose in the fridge. That's how I'm going to get through that <laughs> week. Until next time. Goodbye, internet. Hey there, C80's here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash rough drafts pod for just a dollar a month you can join your fellow listeners in our patron only discord channel and help keep the content coming or join our vip club where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content like our patron only q a's and check us out on all of our social media twitter at rough drafts pod Facebook.com backslash Rough Drafts Pod, SoundCloud.com backslash Esports Rough Drafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.